0: the other day and he was saying that jesus told him to hate his father and mother well i could kind of see that with my dad but i mean i my mom's pretty okay i just don't let her see my facebook dude i love my mom and dad they let me live in their basement and they spring for the extra fast internet okay i can't argue with that that's not a bad deal wow for days man (laughs) you're still playing world of warcraft yeah man my mage is like level a million right now awesome (laughs) Well, welcome, welcome Thursday night. I'm so glad you're here. I wondered because, you know, Mother's Day is Sunday and a lot of people like to go on Sunday. I wondered if I've had like 12, like the apostles here. But man, we have a lot more than that. Thank you for being here as part of the core that's getting Thursday night going. And we are awesomely uh, excited about what it holds for people who travel, for people who work on Sunday. I don't know if you know this, I work on Sundays too, just, just sometimes. Anyway, we're glad that you're here and we're glad and excited to continue our series, Did Jesus Really, Really Say That? This is a series about the hard statements of Jesus that are so easy to misunderstand. Statements that are like shockingly difficult but bring surprising benefits when you know what Jesus meant. And these benefits that I wanna talk about with you tonight Uh, have to do with people uh, who are in all stages and all ages of life and they apply equally across the board. Tyler McKenzie was here last Thursday, last Sunday. He talked about how people, especially men, are wired, and could I just say this? Yeah, I heard his message several times. It was so spot on. What a sensitive subject, but he delivered it biblically, authentically, powerfully. He was here, but he talked mainly about how men are wired. Uh, They they may be hot-wired, they may be cross-wired. I don't know how they're wired, but I thought it was outstanding. Well now we got another hard statement of Jesus just did he like i had to read it a couple of times did he really say this luke 14 verse number 25 and i especially selected this one for mothers day holiday If ever there was a text preachers would never preach on around Mother's Day, this is it. Here we go, you ready? Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Verse 25 of Luke 14 says, more about those large crowds in a minute. And turning to them, these large crowds, he, Jesus said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, such a person, cannot be my disciple, and whoever does not carry or pick up their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. (laughs) If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, happy Mother's Day. (laughs) Now what in the world, did Jesus really say that? I mean really? What does that mean? What does that really mean? Well let me give you the answer right at the top and I'm gonna unpack the huge Ramifications of what Jesus said for your life today. Simply put, it means this radical obedience to Jesus. For those of you in this room who've been following Jesus or you're thinking about following Jesus, it's a great message for you to listen to. Radical obedience with Jesus redefines, it right sizes all other relationships in your life. Every other relationship when you're in love with Jesus is affected, infected. With this relational love and passion you have for Jesus Christ. And your relationships on earth will never be the same again when Jesus is at the center of your life. True following Jesus, true salvation means, I I call it, it kind of brings sanctified chaos to your home of origin and to your family. A couple weeks ago, when we launched Thursday night and Sunday, Dan Buskin was here and he shared some of the ostracized. Uh, things, the awkwardness of going back to family and say, I'm going to follow this person named Jesus in this way. (laughs) A guy in the church a few years ago who was raised in a very strict, staunch Catholic family. Nothing wrong with that. Many of us in this room were there. But Catholicism was his legacy, their family's heritage. And he started attending here. And even though an older guy, it took him like a year before he told his mama who he ate with every Sunday at lunch, I'm going to that Whitewater Crossing, that Protestant church. I mean, that, such was the pressure uh, in the family. So finally he got up the nerve, I never forget this. He got up the nerve to tell his mom. He came back, he said, okay, we're cool now. I told my mom. I mean, I, and he was like 63, I think. Anyway, <laughs> I said, what did she say? He said, that's fine. You just go on down to that Christian church at Whitewater Crossing. But when you die and they cut you open, they're going to find out you were Catholic. That's what he said. I mean, that's pretty strong legacy, pretty strong heritage. So when you start to kind of lean into relationship, no matter what your church of origin, you're going to get some pushback, perhaps, from your family. So when Jesus said here, hate, mother and father. Jesus is using hyperbole here. I don't think Jesus is saying like as soon as you go all in in baptism, you go to your mom and dad and say, mom and dad, I hate you now. No. What he's saying is that your love for Jesus, your love for God, makes earthly love for people feel like hate in comparison. Because Jesus is everything to you. It doesn't matter what everybody on earth says when Jesus is your savior and you're in relationship with him. Jesus told another story about this, by the way, in Luke 9, verse number 57. Luke the doctor, he liked to talk about this all the time. And so uh, in Luke chapter nine, this is kind of the way that he articulated it in verse 57. As they, and this is Jesus' disciples, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, that's Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Be careful when you make statements like that because you, you gotta count the cost. There's a price tag to following Jesus. But I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, good, great, let's write that down. Mm. Jesus replied, what an odd answer. Foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. What? In other words, son, I know you say you want to follow me, but just so you know, I don't really know where I'm staying tonight. I don't have like a home. I don't have a house. I I don't have a car. There's there's no, you know, bedroom and breakfast in my horizon. You know, I I don't have any kind of uh, hotel reservations. There's no, you know, (laughs) no way to uh, hop on a website where we share homes. You know, be a nothing. If you follow me, You're going to have some restless nights, and you're not really going to have a home. He said to another man, follow me. But this man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Now, that sounds pretty reasonable, doesn't it? Uh, God, I got, got, Jesus, I got like a a funeral. Well, notice what he says here. This is very compassionate. (laughs) Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Man, man was it wasn't very politically correct, was it? Very, Jesus, this guy's, you got a winner here, somebody's wanting to follow you. See, Jesus read into this because this guy's dad likely wasn't dead yet. What he was describing is, I got to stay close to home because my, my father's probably getting along in age. He, I have to be home to take care of the state. If I'm not there, my brothers and sisters are going to get my share in the inheritance so they use this phrase all the time in their culture, I gotta bury my father. I gotta make plans, I gotta make sure that right. And so Jesus reads right into that guy's heart. He's not really concerned about burying his father, he's just trying to articulate that he doesn't wanna follow Jesus. And Jesus says, let the dead bury their dead. In other words, let spiritually dead people bury physically dead people. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Man, it's all about family. It's all about fathers. Family trumps everything in our culture. I mean, you just use family and you can get away from anything. That sounds like a great excuse not to follow Jesus, not to serve him, not to give, not to, it's my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. In other words, you gotta figure out right from the beginning who's in charge of your life. Is it Jesus or is it someone on earth? Who is preeminent? What Jesus is teaching them here in us is that you can't have like Burger King discipleship, have it your way. Can't do it. It's his way or it's the highway. That's what he's saying here. And Jesus time and time again provoked people with harsh and sometimes hard statements to say, hey listen, I know you say you want to follow me, but just so you know, I, it's, you're going to have to prove that you love me beyond anything in this world that you can hold or that you are related to. Because now, if you're a Christ follower, you're related to me. There's another fascinating passage, and Jesus in it poses this great question, and I would pose it to you. When you start to follow Jesus, who is your real family. Now I know you're going to celebrate some of us moms and dads and birthdays and all kinds of stuff, but who is your real family? Well, Mark chapter 3 tells us, and it's in the context of Jesus' own family. I know sometimes in our life we, say, we, we think of Jesus in ways that we maybe uh, haven't thought of, and we think of him as this high and mighty Savior, and he is. He's the guy that died for us on the cross. But you know that, did you know that Jesus had a family? Did you know that Jesus had in-laws and outlaws? Did you think there's some people in Jesus' family that just drove him over the ever-loving edge? Do you think he had some EGR people in his family? You know he did. It says Jesus is doing some teaching somewhere and then it says, then Jesus' mothers and brothers arrived and standing outside, they sent someone to call him. Jesus is inside, they're on the outside. They sent someone to call him. A crowd was sitting around Jesus, and they told him, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. Now listen, if I'm preaching and somebody comes up and says, your mom is out there and she's looking for you, guess what? I'm going to go find out what my mama wants. Notice what Jesus says. Who are my mother and my brothers? I'm sure that went over well on Mother's Day for Mary. (laughs) Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him, and said, here are my mothers and brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. In other words, what Jesus is redefining here is family. It's a concept of family. Your family is not your physical family anymore. This is the hard and surprising statement of Jesus. It's the family of God. In fact, I would say that a lot of us, because of the family of our origin, because of the estrangement from some of our family, maybe because of some of the abuse of our family. There's a lot, there are a lot of us here who we're closer to our spiritual family in here than we are our physical family. We have spiritual moms and dads, granddads, grandmoms, grandkids, brothers and sisters. They've walked through all kinds of valleys and uh, mountain experiences with us as a different kind of family. Your real family is of another world. That means you have family all over this world when you follow Jesus Christ. Look at Matthew 10, uh, verse number uh, 34 as well. Uh, this is interesting, fascinating, and I've, I, I've tried to figure out what it means, but I think it, it has something to do with what we're talking about here. Jesus is giving a lecture to the 12, and he says this, "'Do not suppose,' he says, "'that I have come to bring peace to the earth.'" Well David, I thought he was the prince of peace. Well, yeah, he is to some. I did not come to bring peace all the time, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and that may not be too hard to figure out. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Jesus, what what what? Yeah. When the person in your family does not have the same relationship with Jesus that you have, there's going to be some natural divisions between the things of this world and the things of that world. It's a stress. Verse 37, anyone, he says, who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. See, I got to be, Jesus says, I got to be first. And whoever loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross, we've heard that now twice. What cross? It's the burden. It's, it's the sacrifice. It's the price that you pay to follow Jesus. He had a cross that only he could bear. You have individual crosses. Anyone who does not take up their cross, deny self, follow me, is not worthy of me. And whoever finds their life will lose it. I'm going to come back to that twist of the phrase. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. You hear what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying, if I'm not Lord of all, all relationships, everything, if I'm not Lord of all, I'm not Lord at all. That's what he's saying. Now, this is a hard truth. This is a hard truth. And what Jesus is teaching here in all these sections of scripture, what Jesus is saying here with Matthew and all of these other passages, he's making it clear because he repeated it twice, what a Christ follower's number one job is pick up your cross and follow me. Seeing the world in cross-shaped ways, even the way it affects your family dynamic and, and, and your relationship, is affected by Jesus. There will be some fighting, some sword fighting in your family when some of you decide, I'm going to be at church on Thursday and Sunday. There's going to be some disagreement maybe between husband and wife. We're going to start giving our money and not spending it all on self. I'm going to start volunteering to some wonderful ministry. I'm going to start reading the Bible. I'm going to start praying. I'm not going to those parties like I used to go to. I have a new relationship. Let me tell you what, there's going to be some strife there, but your number one job is to pick up your cross and follow me. From time to time, I look at these pictures and I use them in sermons every once in a while. Have you all seen that? You only got one job site. Let me show you a couple of new ones that I found. You only got one job. Check this out. You only got one job. Make a backpack. It's either Superman or it's Batman. Somebody made a mistake there. Show me another one. Back to school. I don't think so. You only got one job here. I don't know if those knives are welcome. Another one. You only got one job. That girl's a little messed up. Some, some of y'all are looking at it a little too closely. You weren't here last week. Next. You only had one job, $129 cell phone floats on water. You only had one job. <laughs> you know, <laughs> somebody's messed up there. You just know. All right, I think here's my, one of my fav- favorite. Look at that, S-sopped. That's the way we might say it in Kentucky, sopped. And then I think last, you only had one job. You shouldn't be eating that anyway. Anyway, that's a, that's a. These passages that Jesus is talking, make it very clear. We got one job, one love, one passion one person on our mind, it's Jesus Christ. And if any person on earth gets between you and Jesus, you got to figure out what you're going to do. Now, I love my kids. I love my wife. But I love the person who made my wife. I love the person who made my kids. No earthly relationship can supersede the spiritual relationship you have with Jesus. And so what Jesus is saying here is kind of, he's using a common Uh, speaking technique, common language that we use today, we would call it a paradox or an oxymoron of following Jesus. Webster defines a paradox as a statement that is seemingly contradictory or opposed to common sense, but in reality is true. And there are many examples of this uh, in our world. I jotted down a few. Uh, You you might hear someone say, this is the beginning of the end. That's a paradox. You might hear someone say, deep down, you're really shallow. (laughs) Or here are the rules, ignore all the rules. We use these oxymorons and we use these paradoxes all the time, jumbo shrimp, right? Easy payments, brief preacher sermon, Uh, we use all the time. Here's my favorite one. Hi, I'm from the federal government and I'm here to help you. Paradox. Well, following Jesus fully, is full of paradoxes. Let let me give you a couple. Some of them we've already mentioned here in these scriptures, but all throughout, I just listed a few. Jesus said to become wise, you have to become fools. To become free, you have to become a slave to me. To conquer, you must surrender. To win, you have to lose. If you wanna be first, you're gonna be last. When you are weak, then you are strong. Whoever loses his life, that's the one we just read, for my sake, will find it. When we exalt others, we get the glory. When we exalt self, he's going to humble us. And one of the biggest paradoxes of all, to receive, you have to give. It's like counterintuitive. What are you talking about? I, I'm giving stuff away, yet I'm receiving something. Yeah. By the way, I dreamed I went to heaven a couple nights ago and I discovered when you get up there that you drive a car according to what you give and gave on planet Earth. Did you know this? Yeah. The two people that helped greet our service welcome you, Jess Atkins. I saw him up there. He was driving like this new Lamborghini up in heaven because I know he gave a lot. I saw Jerica Humphreys up there. She was like driving a Mercedes. And then St. Peter came up to me and said, here, Vaughn, here are your keys to your 1979 AMC Pacer. This is, this is your thing. And I really felt bad. I really was, until I saw Chris Bouay on our staff pedal by on a tricycle. Then, <laughs> I just play, Chris is very generous that I'm aware of. Anyway... Uh, There is a price tag to following Jesus. It's counterintuitive. It goes against every inclination you have. But in Jesus' day, when you stated that you were going to follow him, like in some countries today who are highly Muslim countries or highly cultic uh, church situations, your family is going to dismiss you. They're going to criticize you. They're going to ostracize you. They may shun you. In their day when you were a Jew and you decided to follow Jesus, Yeshua, as the Messiah, you know what? You're out of the family unit. But whenever any of you pay the price tag for following Jesus, I want you to remember the promise that Jesus gives in Matthew chapter 19. Some of us are living this right now. Some of us can claim this. Here's what Jesus said. And everyone who has left houses or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or fields, for my sake, here's his promise, will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. See, you're trading. You're saying no now for a better yes later. But many who will be first will be last. There's that paradox. There's that uh, ironic twist. And many who are last will be first. This is some fascinating teaching of Jesus. Now, let me apply this for you in maybe a difficult way. It's not gonna be a popular thing, I might say in a minute, so buckle your seatbelt. Today, what I think Jesus is saying here that you have to hate mom and dad, hate your brother and sister, hate people who have been so influential in your life, today I think this means that you may endure opposition or persecution in coming days in your life. Because Jesus said, if the world hated me, guess what they're going to do to you? They're going to hate you. I know you think that you are perfect, some of us, but if you ever lived a perfect life, you know what? People would hate you even more. There's only been one perfect person ever lived, and they put him on a cross, What do you think they're going to do to you? If you stand for Jesus, and I pray you do, you will be often ostracized, criticized. It may mean you refuse, get ready now. It may mean as a Christ follower, you refuse to endorse a relationship or a sinful activity that's clearly outside of God's clear teaching, and people are not gonna like it in your life. They'll tell you you're a hypocrite, you will tell you you're judgmental, that you're not full of love, that you're not full of grace. Remember in our culture right now, truth sounds like hate for those that hate the truth. It may mean what Jesus is saying here, and it's not for everybody. Remember, you can have your own excuse about why you won't accept this. This scripture may mean that you, as I do often, speak hard truth... To brothers or sisters or moms or dads or older or younger people who are involved in adultery or sexual sin, be it heterosexual, homosexual, doesn't matter. You got to speak truth to that. Now you got to be full of grace. Jesus is full of grace, full of truth. But it may mean that you're going to risk an earthly relationship or friendship for following Jesus and they are not going to like that. They may be estranged for a while. There are people who have left this church because of the truth of the New Testament. And it breaks my heart every single time. But my loyalty is to another person. Now, don't miss this, because we're talking about truth and love, and everybody wants to be known for love. Could I just want to speak? I'm getting a little older now. As you can tell, hair's going. I want to speak to everyone here, especially those of you who are millennials or you have millennials that you are leading or influencing your family. You are watching a generation before your very eyes of well-meaning Christians and even whole denominations set aside the hard truth of Jesus and the Bible in an attempt to be more loving to people and culturally relevant. And stunningly, it sounds completely plausible. We don't want to be on the wrong side of history. But let me tell you something that's more important. You don't want to be on the wrong side of Jesus. Oh, we don't want to be on the wrong side of history, but you want to be on the right side of eternity. And it's not going to be popular. That means a lot of people may turn away. That large crowd that was following Jesus, that's why he turned around and said, "Hey." I don't know if you know this, but I know you're only here for you. Maybe you're getting a meal, maybe you like the healings. There's some commitment. There's a price tag to follow me. But this is one of the cleverest tools of the evil one in this generation, to sacrifice the hard truth of this book for the sake of love and being inclusive. But I'm telling you, sometimes you just have to choose. And we will, I have for some time, our church is trying to live in the tension between full of truth and full of grace. Here's what Jesus said. I didn't make the rules. That's what he said. Now let's make sure we apply it. Let's make sure our disposition is kind. <laughs> Here's my issue. I just, my, my, my position gets me in trouble. But Let me tell you what really gets me in trouble. My disposition. I can get a little snarky. I can get a little uppity. I can get a little passionate about judging everybody and their sin while I'm not judging my own sin. So I want us, and I think what Jesus would have is, his position never changed, but his disposition was one of grace and kindness. And Christians can be the, the, sometimes the meanest people. Now, I got an email. <laughs> I got an email that longer, I'll share it I've taken, the, I've taken the names out to protect the innocent. My husband and I have been attending at Whitewater for about two years now. One Sunday, uh, Sunday, sunny Sunday morning, we stopped at the traffic light from the I-74 exit ramp coming from Harrison onto 128. If you've ever stopped at that no turn on red light, you will know it's one of the longest lights on the west side. I can attest to that. The light turned green and the driver in front of the car, uh, in the car in front of us, sat there while fluffing her hair. My husband gave a short honk as the car proceeded to turn right and the gentleman in the backseat of the car flipped us the bird. We continued behind them on 128 and guess where they pulled in? (laughs) Whitewater crossing. My husband wanted to park next to them and to be honest, I wanted to see the look on his face when he did, but prayerfully we took the high road. Moral of the story, pastor, be careful when you point your middle finger, you never know where that person goes to church. (laughs) There's like at least 10 people in here that I know that have probably already done that. I'm just telling you right now, they might already be. Be very careful. Our, Our position and our disposition has to be sweet. Our position has to be strong, but our disposition also has to be equally strong. And I know that we love to see Jesus as this... Loving, grace-based, take anybody God. And He is. I mean, we're just a bunch of nobodies trying to tell everybody about somebody who loves anybody here. Man, look at all the how messed up we are in this place. But let me tell you something. God has a justice side, and you don't hear that a lot in churches. You don't hear that a lot on TV. Both of them are who he is. Yes, he is a great God of love. But could I remind you that this is a God who killed and wiped out everybody on planet earth in Noah's day because they disobeyed him and there's not one godly person on earth. He wiped them all out. You say, well, David, that was like the Old Testament. Well, I invite you to go over to Revelation at the end and there's a dude with a sword and he's swinging that thing and he's chopping off heads. I'm telling you, he's he's tromping in the fury of the winepress of God. You are trying to follow a God who is infinitely loving, but infinitely holy. And you have to decide what kind of relationship you're going to have with God. So I think what Jesus is saying here, hate your mother, hate your father. He is redefining every single relationship you have here on planet earth. He's like DTR. I got to define the relationship with you. And Jesus just needs to know where he stands. I mean, it's not like he doesn't already know if he's number one in your life. Jesus was a polarizing figure in his day. He was not always a meek and mild dude. And I find it fascinating here, Luke says large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Now when we see crowds, we get giddy in our church. When Jesus sees crowds, he gets skeptical. Are you guys sure? That when you sit here and say you follow me, that you're following the right guy. Because if you follow me, there's going to be a price tag. It's going to cost you something. And it costs you way more than money. Money is nothing compared to your soul, your heart, your affection. It's going to cost you some time. Jesus said, you're going to have to put me above everybody. So let me just kind of simplify it as I close. You pretty much, and if you're brand new, you say, oh my gosh. This is like big stuff. You thought Tyler McKenzie's message was tough to deliver. I saw him back in the green and He said, you gave me the toughest message in the series. I said, oh, really? Next week on Thursday and Sunday, I'm gonna tell people to hate their moms and dads, <laughs> take up their cross and follow him, and speak in words that will alienate every relationship in their earthly life. You think you got the hardest one, McKenzie? He said, I changed my mind. You do have a harder one. He will redeem and wants to redefine your sex life, your financial life, your social life, your relationship life, your emotional life, life on this world. Because, friend, this life is not all there is. I am sent by God to tell you this life is not all there is. Do not be consumed by earthly things, humans or anything else. You're on the way to a better world. And thank God, because I don't think this world's going to get better. I'm living for another life which means that informs and influences this life. So let me just give you like real simple. You got like two choices from Jesus. It kind of boils down to, I'm kind of a simple guy, so let me give it to you simple. You're either gonna live or you're gonna die. You're either gonna go to heaven or you're gonna go to hell. You're either one of the sheep or you're one of the goats. You're on the narrow way that leads to heaven or the wide way that leads to destruction. You're either in or you're out. You're with me or you're against me. That's pretty much it. Now, a lot of people try to stay right in that center line. I'm neither in nor out. Well, let me tell you the only thing I find in the middle of the road, dead skunks. You you just gotta decide. Now, I know some of us are new and it's awesome and it takes a while to kind of warm up to some of the stuff I'm saying. And I get that, maybe you want further discussion. But I'm telling you, I am passionate because I think Jesus could come today and I don't know that everybody in this room is ready for that. Are you? I think Jesus could come today or you could go and see a a father today, when you die unexpectedly, and I don't know that you're ready without the love and grace of Jesus Christ. So you gotta decide, is it the kingdom of me or is it his kingdom that I'm building? And before you can pray, Thy kingdom come, you have to pray, my kingdom go. I just ask you to think about that. On Mother's Day weekend as it comes. So I'm not sure after this message if anybody's gonna come back next week to our church on Thursday or Sunday. But I'm gonna keep on going while I'm on a roll. I'm gonna talk about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Oh my gosh, you've never heard no sermon on the blasphemy. I get asked all the time though, David, Is there an, what's the unpardonable sin? Is there a sin that you can commit of which there is no forgiveness? Yes. It's not because David said it, it's because Jesus said it. Come back next Thursday, come back next Sunday, see what it is. If anybody's here, I'll tell you what it is. It's also Southwest Schools Day. Boy, they're going to have fun. All these school people coming in, let me tell you, I got a lesson for you today, and actually I think everyone will learn something no matter where they are. Listen, I think one of the things, one of the reasons that people are attracted to Jesus in this sacred space, this church, is because we speak the truth in love. And I hope you've heard my heart, not just the hard truth, but the heart of love that says Jesus died for you. And the reason he's making it so hard is because he wants to see who's for real and who's not. And if you're not for real, then you know go do something else. But if you are really in love with Jesus and accept that gift, friend, this life turns good here and there. And we're here to help you as a church take that very next step in your walk walk with him. If you need somebody to pray with you and Talk about some of these things, faith question. We've got some folks that will be down here after the service. And right over here at the end of the ramp by the camera, if you're brand new, your next step will be just to stay for a couple of minutes after. We've got a gift for you. And uh, I just can't wait to see what God might do with this message in this very... Did Jesus really say that? Yeah, he did. So go and enjoy Mother's Day this coming weekend. Go and have a good time with that. But I think you ought to see your mom and dad in a whole different way than you've ever done before. Let's stand together. Let's pray. Father, there are so many, so many things that Jesus said that we're trying to figure out. And uh, I just pray tonight that these words from my heart have been heard. And uh, pray again for all the messages that will be delivered, that, God, you might use them to accomplish your word. I am just your servant. I want to be the best vessel and the best voice that I can be. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would use my words tonight that are the words of Jesus and apply them to our life. I thank you for each person here, God. But all too often, I've been more impressed with the crowd than the commitment of the crowd. And that's something that I learned from Jesus, again, in a fresh and a new this week, that there is a cost to discipleship. And it costs your son everything. And it's going to cost us something as we take up our cross and follow after you. But there is joy in the sacrifice. And I thank you for that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you. See you next time. Hey, again, thanks for joining us online today. You'll see links in the notes or the comments section to be able to let us know who you are if you're new around here and to give generously online if you call Whitewater home. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.